1: Hello, simpletons. What's up, y'all? Welcome to Minimalist Podcast, where we discuss what it means to live a meaningful life with less. My name is Joshua Fields Milburn. And I'm Ryan Nicodemus. And together, we are the minimalists. Well, these are trying times, right? Yeah. And, and the stock market is in a free fall at mm. the time of this recording. Yeah. We're going to talk about the economy today. We're going to talk about what it means to live in, in trying economic times. A lot of us are living paycheck to paycheck a lot of us can't scrounge enough money for an emergency. We don't have emergency funds. We're not saving for retirement. Mm. We are in times that are really challenging financially. And mm. we're going to talk about what that means and who better to talk about that with than our good
0: friend T. K. Coleman, our economist yes, expert, <laughs> our MVP.
1: <laughs> so T. K. You uh, you're with Fee, the Foundation for Economic Education. You're represent, director over represent. there. Mm-hmm. Yes, sir. Mm-hmm. And and so you understand a lot about economics. And so I wanted to to talk today. Uh, Try to live up to that billing. <laughs> well, we really have some questions from our audience. This is a a listener-driven show. So I thought maybe we just dive right into some of these questions. Our first one is from. Jim in Flossmore, Illinois.
2: I'm interested in maximizing my standard of living, my wealth and quality of life while minimizing the cost associated with living. So I want to make sure I have the maximum
3: amount of wealth and quality of life and standard of living as possible while minimizing the cost of living.
2: Is minimalism a good strategy for this?
1: It sounds to me like what, what Jim is asking here is it's quite often we, we actually conflate wealth with Mm well-being and we can we conflate net worth with self-worth and these are two separate things it doesn't mean you have to be against money to be to be for well-being but when we just put money first or we think it's the only part of the equation then we i think we run into trouble and we notice this on a broader scale too with the economy at large we we have when we are focused only on the stock market for example maybe the stock market isn't isn't the best measurement for for well-being necessarily
0: yeah
3: yeah i agree
0: let's talk to jim about this so how does minimalism help his well-being how does it help his what, and then, and part of and part of our income and part of our net worth i would argue that up to a certain extent does help our our well-being and I think with minimalism, like what the first thing I thought of was how I have taken this uh, philosophy of mindfulness, of living deliberately, of whatever you want to call it, whatever ism you want, you want to put behind it. Uh, Mariah and I, we are debt-free. And I'm not saying that you have to be debt-free to be a minimalist, but that is that is what Mariah and I have strived for. And simplicity and being deliberate has gotten us there. And I'll tell you that this, with the coronavirus, Yeah, like Josh and I, we've got SEP IRAs. I've got money in betterment with index funds. Um, I even have like, you know, some individual stocks that I've played around with with Tesla. I don't even want to go into the amount of money that I've lost over the last, uh, you know, month or maybe just two weeks, even. It's been an appreciable amount. Um, I'm talking like, it's just a lot. So I can look in the mirror though, and I can say, because I'm debt free. I don't have to sit here and worry about going out and making as much money as I can to to make all these debt payments. I can, I can truly look at it and I can, and I am privileged enough. I want to, I want to be very clear that I recognize how, how fortunate and how privileged I am to look in the mirror and say, it's just money. And I, and I think that is where this, what was his name? Jim. I think this is where Jim is trying to get. He's trying to get to a point where uh, money is not a stressor for him. It sounds like maybe it's stressing him out right now. Yeah. And sometimes when we feel that stress, we start to put money first and we start to make that you know, our number one problem. Um, but if we, like Josh said, if we make that our number one problem, well, now we're just introducing a lot more problems.
1: I'm not a millionaire. I, I know some though, and they, they tend to stress out more about money than most people I know who yeah. live paycheck to paycheck. Yeah. And so <laughs> the amount of money that you make doesn't... It necessarily mean you're going to stress more or less about money is that fair tk yeah 100 100
2: percent and and you know it sounds like jim is looking for some advice on hey what can i do in order to like minimize the right things and also you know mm-hmm. optimize my life I, I think the first thing i would say is your financial plan ought to be an extension of your life mission in the same way that your fitness plan should be an extension of your, your health mission. So let's say you go to the gym and you hire a fitness trainer, and I'm in the role of the fitness trainer. Uh, I'm not gonna start by saying, I want you to you know do so many laps around the track, or mm-hmm. I want you to spend so much time on the treadmill. I should start with, why are you here? What yeah. do you want? And, and, and your goal may be, I wanna prepare for a marathon. It may be, man, I got a wedding in two weeks and I just wanna fit right. into this tux real nicely. And the particular mission that you have, will dictate what it is I'm gonna tell you you need to do, you know, coupled with some understanding of the sacrifices that you're willing to make. And so I think it's very important when you're thinking about how should I manage my finances, that you don't follow cookie cutter advice, like save this much, invest this much, because that's all gonna be based on what your mission is. And sometimes, and I'm not accusing you of this, Jim, but sometimes the desire for a lot of money can actually be a way of being lazy because oh, yeah. if, if I can just say, I want a million dollars, that means I don't have to think critically about my desired lifestyle, and I don't have to quantify my dreams in economic terms. I can just use a million dollars as a proxy for enough money to do whatever I want, and now I don't have to think about what I wanna now do. Now
0: I can just sit on my couch and pay people to do, to do everything for me. Yeah, yeah You know, I, yeah. I, I love where you started with the the health plan that's the question that Jim needs to ask himself. Where is he trying to get with his financial situation? If he's trying to have, you know, a Bill Gates house and a private jet and all that, okay, I mean, I would argue that you don't need that to live a meaningful life, but maybe that's what it takes for Jim. Then great. Outline what that money is going to get you because TK, I fell in that trap, dude. When I was in the corporate world, I used to tell myself, one day I'll just have a million dollars. You know, I'm just going to work towards having a million dollars in the bank account. And when I have a million dollars in the bank account, I'll be able to uh, work when I want. I'll be able to, go on vacations i'll be able to buy a new car when i want yeah. i'll be able to you know afford a nice house but here's the thing is what i've realized over the last you know 10 15 years i can do all those things and i don't need a million dollars to do those things i am also not a millionaire and it's it's interesting how i i pretty much travel when i want i i work when i want i can do all these things but i don't have anywhere near a million dollars here's the biggest fallacy with that as well Uh, because I had the very similar goal, this
1: arbitrary goal. And the thing was once I got a million dollars or if it was the promotion that I won, once I become the senior vice president or once I become COO, then And only then will I give myself permission Mm. to be happy Mm, as opposed to, you know, we say the, 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 the pursuit of happiness, but what about the happiness of pursuit? Mm. And, and quite often we don't, we, we put ourselves through all this misery and discontent because we think immediately i'm going to be able to give myself permission to be happy when i make that million dollars or i get the promotion or i i finish writing the book or whatever it might yeah. be as opposed to enjoying that i mean it's 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 so it's become cliche to say enjoy the journey but clichés are cliché for a reason platitudes are platitudinal for a reason is because we we realize at some deep fundamental level that i can be happy right now and in fact i'm going to be much happier because as I pursue finishing the book or getting the money or whatever it might be, uh, I, I'm not waiting for that, that, that switch to flip because it will flip. And I, yeah. I'll feel that, that momentary burst of happiness, but then I'm going to feel the deep, deep emptiness because
0: it wasn't everything that I thought it was going to be. If you rely yeah. on a number to make you happy, there's just going to be another number that takes its place. Now, I want to be—I want to differentiate between like having a number as in, oh, I need a million dollars to be happy and not really know why. However, let's say you're saving up for, I don't know, you need an operation. And you're like, if I can get this $12,000 saved up, I can finally get this operation that's going to increase the quality of my life. Well, but that's the end game is getting the operation. Uh, so you can, again, g- you know, go on the pursuit of happiness or... Uh, uh, enjoy that pursuit of happiness. But even that, even in that scenario, you the end game isn't happiness. It is being able to move forward and still pursue happiness. So again, if you're looking at a number and saying, well, that number is what is going to make it's a million Twitter followers which I haven't gotten there yet, and maybe that is happiness, Josh. Maybe it is a million Twitter followers. Well, yeah, I mean, I mean, this this correlates with Josh's earlier point. Like, you've
2: gotta think about wealth in a holistic way. So, you know, um, for instance, if, if you prioritize money over meaning too much, let's say you get a job offer that's on the table, and uh, job A doesn't really pay you that much, but enough to kind of survive if you make some sacrifices. Job B pays you a lot more, maybe I can optimize my life. But what if job A allows you to work in a company culture that really enriches your soul? Mm. What if it allows you to work around people that are really creative and that inspire you and help bring out the best in you, right? And if, you, if you're if you prioritizing money too much, well then you can make the money decision, but then that will also be your ceiling, mm-hmm. that will also leave you stressed out all the time, it'll compromise your creativity, whereas you can take the meaning path and that'll make you a better human being and you might be able to create more options for yourself over the next you know, three to five years. So prioritize meaning over money and don't follow any financial plan until you have first thought critically about what the good life means to you. Because maybe you can live in Kentucky, or maybe you got to live in New York. Two different financial plans for those people.
0: Hundred percent. Yeah. Especially yeah. living in LA, it's like, no, I can't afford a nice house in Los Angeles, <laughs> yeah. but I'm okay with that. I mean, it's yeah, yeah I, I can still you know afford to live in a very comfortable situation. But it made me think too, TK. Hey, if you want to make a quick forty thousand dollars, go to Thailand. Put yourself on a kidney transplant list don't buy your kidney for forty thousand oh, dollars but what are you giving up man what are you giving up for 40 grand i mean i can't i, I saw this article where this dude what the heck? he oh. sold his he sold his kidney and he ended up buying like an iphone and a car with it or something i'm like that's yeah let's let's not do that people yeah no obviously i'm joking do <laughs> not you? do sure. that yeah uh, book recommendation
1: yeah michael ellsberg the last safe investment
2: uh very great book for thinking about asset accumulation, that goes beyond, you know, um, the traditional financial markets. How to cultivate your own potential? How to realize the wealth within? And no, not in some metaphysical kind of way, but in a very pragmatic skills-based way.
1: Sean, can you put a link to that book in the show notes? Also, Jim, I'm going to send you a copy of our book. Uh, actually, our book, Essential. It's an essay collection with 12 different areas of intentional living. One of those is getting your finances straight, because if we're, you are in debt, it's really difficult to to. Pursue freedom mm-hmm. if you are tethered to something, right? Just yeah. by definition, if you're tethered to something, you're not going to be free. If the, if debt is a giant anchor in your life or an anchor at all, I would argue that any debt is bad debt. There's no such thing as good debt. There's an entire finances chapter yeah. in our book, Essential 12 different areas of intentional living. Uh, if you like our podcast, you'll really like the audiobook version of Essential. It's over six hours long. Or if you want the book, book or the ebook version, we'll be happy to send those to you as well, Jim. Our next question is is from Holly in Quincy Illinois
3: I've been doing a lot of research on personal money management and saving for retirement including checking out all the great resources you have on your website I work full-time for a church and do a little bit of substitute teaching as well and I have a gross income of about 31,000 a lot of the items you recommend on your website sometimes are out of my league even practicing a minimalist lifestyle. So my question is what recommendations would you give for managing finances, saving, retirement, etc for a person with a modest income?
1: So, Holly First off, brava to you for asking important questions here. Because what you're really asking about is how do I take the limited resources I have and use them to the best of my ability? You're talking about minimalism, and and I often will say that you know when Ryan and I we grew up really poor, but then throughout our twenties we made really good money in the corporate world, right? We we. As we made more money, though, that amplified our bad decisions because we had more resources to to then support our bad decisions, and what Holly is saying here is that some of the things that we recommend on our website are out of reach for her. I wish she was more specific
0: on that. I, I do too. Because I can't. I'm trying to like really rack my she brain. referring to like
2: books that are too expensive, or like that's investment. what I thought.
0: That's what I thought at first. But I think what what the way I took it, and again, I wish is why she said something specific, is uh the practices that we talk like we talk about. Hey, saving twenty bucks a week. Mm-hmm. Like uh, there are certain recommendations we have, but yeah, but e- but even a book though that's that's where my first thought went but i'm like we've never recommended a book that was you know more than
1: 20 bucks or more than free at your local more library than, exactly and, and and so holly what, what i would say is sometimes we come up with these excuses on our own mind to say i'm unable to do x because i'm not the type of person or i can't afford it or whatever we're talking about minimalism uh Minimalism is free living in. in, Why is it free? Because living intentionally is free. Now, can you be a multimillionaire minimalist? Yeah, I would argue that that Kanye West lives in a minimalist home, even though it's a 60 million dollar mansion, because there's intention that goes into that. Do you need a $60 million home to be a minimalist? Obviously not. You can live in an RV. You can live in a one-bedroom apartment. It's about being intentional with the resource you have. So you're asking the right question. But you're saying, okay, I make $31,000 a year. Can I be a minimalist on that? Well, I can tell you from personal experience. I lived in the corporate world uh, and made really good money. I walked away from that. The first year I walked away, I made $23,000 that year. And I was more financially secure making $23,000 I'm Not to say I didn't have to make some sacrifices. I had to get rid of some things that I otherwise would have paid more money for. But I was more financially secure. Why? Because I took personal responsibility and said, my time is worth more than the money I'm gonna spend on the things I don't necessarily need. And so whether you make $31,000 a year, or $310,000 a year, or $31 million a year, we can all benefit from being more intentional, being more deliberate with the resources that we have.
2: Yeah, um, take a cue from all of the negative things in your life. It's not the dramatic stuff that kills you, it's the little things that compound over time. And that same principle also applies to wealth creation. Um, you know, there's a verse in the Bible that says, despise not the day of small beginnings. I think the reason we fail to make progress isn't because we lack financial resources or social connections, but we lack the faith to believe in the power of small actions, Mm. small actions that can compound over time and produce a dramatic uh, impact. So if you're ever in a position where it seems like getting started is not feasible for you, it's probably because your starting point is too big. Mm. So um, if, if someone that you deeply love and respect says save $20 a week, and you for whatever reason can't afford to set aside $20 a week, don't stop there. Don't use that as an excuse to not save at all because you can't afford to do the $20 a week. Bring that starting point down, customize for yourself, think for yourself and say, all right, the underlying principle here is the habit of saving. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to bring that number down to five dollars a week. Even if it's only two dollars a week, it's about the signal that you're sending to the universe. It's about the mindset that you're cultivating. And the
1: habit you're cultivating as well.
2: Absolutely. The principles of investing a million are the same as as investing a dollar. The risks are higher, but it still takes the same mindset to create the wealth. So even if you got to bring that number down to a dollar, don't be afraid to to start small. The second thing, just in case you are talking about information, like not being able to afford books, whatever it may be, here's a little trick that works in this day and age that I didn't have the luxury of doing 20 years ago. Find the author's name for any book or any resource that maybe you can't afford to buy and just go to YouTube and pull up a whole bunch of podcast episodes and talks where they're riffing on that book and you'll get the essence of most of their philosophy from those sources. Take advantage of what you can and don't use what you can't do as an excuse for not getting started.
0: Dude, those are those are two great points. The, the thing I would add here with Holly is, is like it sounds to me and if I'm wrong, Holly, you tweet me and tell me I'm dead wrong. But it sounds to me like Holly doesn't have a budget. And it might be because she feels like, and I've had many mentees who say, I say, get a budget. And they're like, well, I don't need a budget, Ryan, to know how poor I am. That is <laughs> that is the worst attitude that you can have. Because if you don't know how poor you are, well, then you're never going to pull out of it. Yeah. So, Holly, uh, I highly recommend you come up with a budget. Go go to uh, uh, every, every, dollar? every do- Is it every dollar.com? Yeah. Yeah. So you go to every dollar.com, you get the app every dollar. And there are other budgeting tools out there. Pick your favorite one personally. Me and Mariah use every dollar. We use the free version. There is a pro version that makes it a little easier to, to manage like things that come into your bank account and you can kind of sort them. Um, if you get the free version, you have to manually input everything. I like manually inputting everything because it forces me to use the app and it forces me to stay close to it. But what'll happen, Holly, is that you'll be able to look at A, where all your money is going. That's the first step to being more deliberate, figuring out where every single dollar is going every dollar mm-hmm. and then once you are uh once you are using that app, now now you are starting to feel the pain like right now with Mariah and I with our budget uh anytime that we are getting ready to go over uh, on a certain item or we're getting close to going over we there's a pain that we feel before I even think about going out and we're gonna go see the movies, and it's like, well, we only got like sixty bucks left on our on our entertainment budget. You have and, to make some decisions. Yeah, and yeah. there's a week left, and man, those that movies for me and Mariah is gonna cost forty because in L.A. it costs twenty freaking dollars to go see a movie. <laughs> uh, it's like, man, that's gonna be that's gonna be you know sixty six percent of what we have left. Like, it forces you to make tough decisions. It forces you to change your state. And Holly, that's what you got to do. You have to find ways to change your state. Are you going to be able to save, you know, that $1,000 emergency fund that Dave Ramsey talks about in Total Money Makeover? No, you're not going to be able to save that right away. But like TK said, you can start saving towards that. I had this dude... Email me from uh, Belfast D I talk about him a lot and I I, I I always bring him up because he is a fighter like he is just someone who he does not give up and I've never he, he's, he's just the perfect example of someone who doesn't give up the dude he is a he is a uh, literally a fighter he's a boxer and he goes out of his way. To be this uh, almost a starving artist because he coaches and he also boxes like he's kind of the dude that goes into the ring and they they beat the crap out of him like when they need someone to beat the crap out of but he loves it he loves to fight but the guy is like he's really not financially super secure but he even emailed me he's like Ryan he's like man what you you know there's a certain podcast episode or something where he was like, you challenged someone like me to save a thousand dollars. And he was like, I saved it so much faster than when I thought I would be able to, but, Mm. but just having the attitude of, you know what? I am going to, I am going to go ahead and do this. I'm going to challenge myself to save a thousand dollars. He was able to do it pretty quickly. And the financial security that he has from that just being able to afford you know an, uh, an emergency expense that costs up to $1000 that actually has taken a lot of stress off of his life he's still he's still fighting he's you know he's not a millionaire it's not like he's pulled himself out of everything but it's these little things that he's able to do to to just relieve some of that financial stress and holly you can do the same exact things
1: Two things here, because you bring up the $1,000, and TK brings up these principles. They work whether you have a dollar or a million dollars. And so we'd be remiss if we didn't bring up some principles here. Uh, We ourselves are are big fans of Dave Ramsey. We've been on his show. We've had his entire team on our show. In fact, I was just texting with Anthony O'Neill and Chris Hogan just yesterday. Uh, about some stuff, and uh, we're gonna send you a copy of The Total Money Make- Makeover. It's one of the few books I buy by the case, but I wanna just, for the folks who are listening here, just mm-hmm. we'll go over the seven baby steps really quickly, because I've got them here in sure. front of me, and the first one is what Ryan talked about here, and I'm, I'm interested, TK, if these principles, if you feel like they're malleable enough to they would apply to just about anyone. Mm-hmm. I, I think so, but uh, of course, some additional input would be nice. Baby step number one. So in his book, The Total Money Makeover, he outlines the details behind these baby steps. Number one is save a thousand dollars for your starter emergency fund and build a budget. So mm-hmm. you talked about budgeting everydollar.com. That, by the way, uh, is Dave Ramsey's app, not an ad. We don't get paid by them mm-hmm. to uh, to talk to you about it. It's just what Ryan uses, and it is something that lots, you know, thousands, if not hundreds of thousands. Yeah, before of people that I was using a
0: spreadsheet from. and it was miserable.
1: Right, <laughs> right. And so save a thousand dollars. That's your first step. You can't move on to the next step which is the next principle until you've saved $1,000 so you have an emergency fund. Why is, Ryan illustrated why emergency fund is, is important. It's a peace of mind. If your car breaks down, if you have some sort of home emergency, a medical emergency, you have the peace of mind that I am have a $1,000 in a separate bank account, savings account that I can't touch, and you know that it's going to be there for oh you. Oh my god, dude. for
0: real emergencies. I'm, I'm talking, dude. I'm thinking about when I was 16 years old, and a car, my car would start making a funny noise. I got instant anxiety of like, oh no, those might be the CV boots, and those are going to cost me 350. dollars I don't have 350. dollars We're like, it went, if I had that thousand dollar emergency fund, I wouldn't, yep. I would not be as stressed out about it. Yep. It wouldn't be as devastating. But it might take
2: me five years to do it.
0: Okay, yep. however long it takes, yeah. just do
2: it. Because the momentum you build towards doing the right thing will actually make you more intelligent at recognizing opportunities to do the right thing even more effectively. And Absolutely.
1: by the way, if you're making $31,000 a year, and you might have to cut some stuff out for a while. You, you might have to, you're not going out to restaurants for a while right now. And, and that's okay. You need to get this emergency fund first, because it's going to give you a solid foundation. You're going to get out of quicksand right now. You feel like you're in quicksand because you don't even have an emergency fund. Most Mm -hmm. likely a baby step number two is pay off all debt, except your house, which, uh, I I don't know whether or not you own a house, but if you, if you're renting, that's fine too, Holly. But, uh, Step two is pay off all debt except the house using what Dave Ramsey calls the debt snowball, right? And so that's paying lining up all your debts, smallest to largest. And the math doesn't always work perfectly on this, but it gives you the momentum that you need to keep going. So let's say you're like the average American credit card who or average American who has four credit cards in their wallet, or maybe Holly, you're like one in ten Americans who has ten or more active credit Mm. cards in her wallet. And you would take all 10 credit cards, which everyone has the smallest balance. You pay that off first. I don't care if it's $35. And by the way, you put your medical bills in there, your student loans, everything else. You tackle that debt. Now you make the minimum payments on everything else. So if you have 12 debts, you make minimum payments on all of them, you pay off the smallest one first. It gives you that momentum and you move on to the next smallest one, so forth and so on. You get that momentum, and all of a sudden you get to that last one you're just throwing all the extra money you have. You're not eating out at restaurants, you're not going to the movies, you're saving money however you can to pay off the debt. You've got your emergency fund, baby step two, you're paying off all debts. Baby step three is you save, you you add on to your emergency fund, three to six months of expenses and a fully funded emergency fund. So let's say if you make And if you're spending all of that, then well, you're going to need $15,500 somewhere around there long term. Now that might take you a year or longer to to save that up. Mm -hmm. And that's okay. But you're going to keep working on the baby step. You don't work on these simultaneously. You go from baby step one to baby step two, to baby step three, until you finish that step. Baby step four is start investing at least 15% of your income. Now you can invest more than that eventually, but that is a, a baseline. Now that's de- that, that would apply if you're a millionaire, you save 15% of a, a million if you make a million bucks a year. If you make a thousand bucks a year, you're saving $150 a year, right? Mm-hmm. So that that principle still holds. It's not saying, well, everyone needs to invest a thousand dollars a month or mm-hmm. whatever. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, for sure. So finding 15% and investing it. Uh, I I highly recommend index funds. So so a place like Vanguard with really low fees. Uh, Dave Ramsey recommends mutual funds. The key here is finding a place to invest your money and realizing you can't time the market. We're in a, a time right now where it's panic season and people are pulling their money out of the market, you cannot time the market. No. you are not a day trader, so don't buy individual stocks. Don't buy uh, um, commodities like like Bitcoin or precious metals or whatever else. These aren't investments. Some people who make it their full time job do- job to day trade, they can figure this out. You don't have to worry about that personally. I put all my money in Vanguard mutual funds. You can go to a place like Betterment, not mm-hmm. a sponsor, but they they will help you out with, it. or you can go to Vanguard directly and you. do that or if you're you're a place of employment uh whether either the church you're working at or the schools you're teaching at now if either one of them offer a 401k invest in that because a lot of these 401ks match and that's a great place to put your money the 401k or a roth ira if you're you're making uh if you're not making a lot of money then a roth ira is it is post-tax but you're not going to get you're not going to get double dipped on. i can imagine
0: how like holly right now listening to this how stressful it might be for her thinking about investing any money because maybe she has a lot of debt. But that's why you got to follow these steps one at a time. Exactly. Because Holly, when you like, once you get that uh, uh, emergency fund, that thousand dollars, once you pay off all your debts, once you get your your six months saved up, well, now it's a hell of a lot easier to start don't or to to start uh, investing. Uh, yeah, investing fifteen percent of your of your income when you don't have to worry about those other things. I heard I heard a preacher once say um
2: uh he said god doesn't bless you when you obey he blesses you while you obey Mm. And, and what he meant by that is The rewards of of a good life are not something that you have to wait for at the point when you've lived it. The rewards of a good life begin once you get into the rhythm of the process itself. The rhythm itself, it's what's rewarding because that rhythm creates other opportunities and it begins to feed on itself. So just get in the rhythm of doing the right things and don't have the mindset of like, I can't experience the benefits of this until I am completely done. Amen, truth. So, So one more. I'll I'll limit this to like uh, maximum limit Um, going back to a comment one of the objections that somebody expressed to you you may not need a budget in order to know how poor you are But you do need a budget in order to know how you're underestimating the hidden sources of wealth in your life.
1: Yeah, tweet that podcast, Sean. Tweet it. Yeah. All right, baby. Step five is is save for your children's college fund. So I think it's like a five thirty nine account. If you're going to send your kids to college, (laughs) don't
0: have kids. Totally (laughs) skip number six. (laughs) All
1: right, this is five. Oh, fine. Oh, no, I mean, you got to yeah. wait until you yeah.
2: have kids before you can move to step six. <laughs> uh, well, no. If you don't have kids, then, then, then
1: you bypass that altogether. Right. Uh, step six is pay off your home early. Uh, we are one of the two countries that, that, that sort of had this 30-year and now 40-year fixed-rate Good mortgages. God. And
0: uh, – It <laughs> makes me think of Dr. Christopher, Dr. Christopher Ryan. He's like – isn't it your goal to, like, accumulate as much debt as you can at the end of your life so when you die, <laughs> yeah, you don't like, have to pay
1: anything be debt back. for your whole life until you're, like, 70, and then <laughs> right. then get the 40-year mortgage. <laughs> right. Uh,
0: and some of these banks will do it. Okay, oh we'll give you the God. 40-year mortgage. Well, because that debt gets passed on is the problem.
1: Uh, well, I mean, sort of, but not really. Some of it does, yeah. Yeah, and, and so, um, so, yeah, you want to pay off your home. And and the reason that you want to pay off your home early is because it is a debt, and there is no such mm-hmm. thing as good debt. Now, there are some debts that are better than others, mm-hmm. and so having a house payment is better than having a-, a Cash loan payment. Right, yeah. or, or having a loan shark payment, <laughs> right? And so, yes, you want to pay off your house early. And number seven is build wealth and give. You know, what Dave Amen. Ramsey obviously says is you want to- Uh, give like, you want to live like no one else so you can eventually give like no one else. Meaning, you're going to have to get really weird about all of these things and saving saving your money, spending it more wisely. And people are going to look at you sometimes like, Oh, you're not going out to eat with the rest of us? No. Why? I'm not saying no to going out to eat with you. I'm saying yes to paying off this debt. And yeah. if you reframe it like that, you, you have a way to, You not, not that you have to explain yourself to anyone, but it's empowering to be able to say, here's what I'm doing and I'm, I am unabashedly, unapologetically weird because our society is broken, and I'm tired of being broke as a consequence. One add-on to the to the notion of giving: giving is like saving.
2: It's not something that you wait until you get rich to start doing it. You Mm got to start doing it now. And it takes discipline and faith to do it now. And yes, you may not be rich, but you can customize. Man, give away a nickel, give away a penny, give away time, like give away a thank you card, but find a way to get into the giving mentality. There's a quote in the Bible that I love so much uh, that's often misunderstood and underestimated. It says, it is better to give than to receive. And I don't think that's just a statement about the nobility of being a giver. I believe it's 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 a piece of advice on how to really empower your life. The reason it's better to give than to receive is because you cannot give from a consciousness of lack and scarcity. In order to give, you have to see yourself as someone who has something to give. Mm. So the very act of giving is one that transforms your mindset and causes you to think in terms of abundance. So when you practice giving, you actually increase the odds that you will recognize opportunities for more abundance in your life. The fastest path to getting richer is
0: trying to think in terms of how can I become a habitual giver? Dude, I love that, man, because you don't have to wait till baby step number seven to give. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah, you do have to wait till baby step number seven to give. What is it, 15%? No. Th- 10%? It, no, it's not. Well, I mean, obviously, Dave,
1: it, he he Recommend giving 10% but Yeah, you can give as much as you The thing is you can give you can be like Mike Bloomberg mm-hmm. who is giving away v- virtually all of his wealth I mean he's given away n- nearly what is it um $80 billion, and you have people like Bill Gates who are giving away you know, uh, most of their income throughout their lifetimes mm-hmm. before they die. Yeah. And, and so you can give away nearly 100% when you get to these to, to these levels. And so uh, since we're talking about sort of economics and economic hardship, TK, I thought maybe we, we could finish this, Holly's question. By the way, Holly, we'll send you a copy of Total Money Makeover. Yeah. We, we hit buy them by the case here. But TK, we, we, I figure we could talk about giving, because um, we, we, we often think that, that someone else is going to give, whether it's, it's the mm-hmm. government or it is some other charitable organization. And we often don't think about our own responsibility to our community and the people around us to, to contribute beyond ourselves. Yeah, well, the interesting thing about this topic is that giving
2: is a little bit like writing a book. Everybody dreams of doing it one day most of us just take that dream to the grave because Mm. we're not able to overcome the resistance that's involved in the process. But most people say things like, man, it would be really nice to have a financial windfall because we all have an idea in our minds of who we could help if we won the lotto. But we, we have this disempowered assumption, this disempowering assumption that makes us think, well, I'm never in a position to give until or unless I have a whole bunch of money. But the entrepreneurial mindset is the one that says, th- thinks in reverse. I'm never in a position to have money unless I learn how to become a masterful giver, mm. right? Like, what does it mean to create wealth other than to create value in exchange for the wealth that I seek? You're right?
1: aggressively solving other people's
2: problems. You're That's aggressively how you solving. Value. And it yeah. takes a giver's mentality because it doesn't take the mentality of saying, I'm just gonna think about what makes me happy. And my fulfillment, and I'm gonna ignore everybody else. No, if you want to create wealth, you gotta say, "Man, I need to humble myself and become a student of other people." What does this brother need? What does this sister over here complain about all the time? What makes what's making them so unhappy? They look like they're struggling unnecessarily over that. Like, how can I come up with an idea? or How can I use my gifts and talents in order to solve that problem for them? And and and. The reason you wanna go through this process is not just to create external wealth, but this is a process that causes you to take your own creativity more seriously. Because I I reject this myth that it takes money to make money. It doesn't take money to make money. Money is a symbolic representation of creative power. It takes creative power to make money. And in order to make money, what you have to do is you've gotta look within at your own inner resources, your own intangible assets. And you've you've gotta say, I've got something. Maybe the ability to make people laugh. Mm. Maybe the ability to cause people to see things differently. Maybe the ability to make them feel good about themselves. themselves. I've got something. How can I figure out what that is and do the work necessary to give that to people from whatever position I'm in? That's Mm. how you get the money to be the giver that you dream of being. You gotta give first.
0: I love that, dude. That makes me think about how uh, when I moved to Los Angeles, I started just realizing how there's this wall I have to push through. And so there's a certain point where I was like, okay, I'm going to give someone the gift of feeling valued, yeah, and like that is what I and that's what I do in L.A. now, and it has created so so many meaningful actions with just random people because I'm just giving them the gift of feeling valued. We're in a place like L.A. it's yeah. a very it's a very much service attitude. You're paying, you're tipping, you're you know everyone's doing something for you, and 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 it's it's you know sometimes it's a little disheartening to look at just how the city operates on. Uh, on on you know valet and and whatever it may be. So when I have to get my car valeted, when I'm getting a cup of coffee, it's like instead of uh, perpetuating the entitlement, the yeah that's right I'm in L.A. This is what L.A. is. It's like no no like this L.A. experience happens because of this valet person and going out of my way to give just someone that that feeling of being valued. It, it it creates a better experience for me, not just for them, but me also.
2: Yeah, and the more you do it, the better you get at it, right? Yeah. There's a verse in the Bible that says, I'm gonna shut up real quick, Josh. There's a verse in the Bible that says something to the effect of, uh, he that considereth the clouds shall not sow, and he that regardeth the rain or the wind shall not reap. And, and, and what it means by that is you're never gonna get the permission from your circumstances to invest in your life and to mm. invest in other people. You've gotta decide to do that as a fundamental act of rebellion. And when you take when you exercise that courage, that's when you begin to reap what you sow because yeah. you're sowing with a permissionless mindset. Yeah.
0: I just, I, I love this conversation because it really what I hope people are getting out of this, people right now who are like, I don't have two nickels to rub together, I got nothing to give, that's, just, that's not the case. You absolutely have a gift to give people. Whether it's making people feel valued, whether it's uh, making someone laugh, whatever it is, like you have the power to really get clear on what it is that you have to give and start giving that. It's going to create yes a better life for the people that you're giving that to, but it's going to create a better life for yourself, and it will probably
1: create more wealth for you long term as well. Because as as TK mentions, we're 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 talking about expense problems here, right? The debt and 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 Mm -hmm. yes, if you're making thirty one thousand dollars a year, you're you're going to have a harder time with your expenses there are two ways to tackle it and i think it should be tackled from both sides the first way is we do need to reduce our expenses we need to be more responsible with the money that we have and that's applicable no matter where you are in the socioeconomic ladder especially if you have less money we need to be especially responsible with with that money and and so tk i, I think you would probably argue that if someone is in poverty they especially have to to be uh, responsible with with the money that they have and and then also, not we, just the money, but any resource they have, right? But then also, we can we can we can make more resources. They are not the the pie is not is not limited, right? And so, Holly at making thirty one thousand dollars a year, it doesn't mean that that's what you're going to make forever. If you're able to aggressively help people solve problems, you're going to have the opportunity to make more money. Is that is that accurate?
2: That's absolutely right. One of my favorite pieces of advice I ever received comes from a uh, real estate investment. Um, Uh, guru Peter Daniels who said over the course of your lifetime read a thousand biographies because in doing so you will build a vast vocabulary of overcoming incredible odds Mm -hmm. James Baldwin to paraphrase said you know I thought my troubles made me unique in the world but then I began to read and when I began (laughs) to understand the stories of other people I realized that my troubles were part were one link in a chain that connected me to all of humanity Mm. you've got to study the lives of other people because if you don't the devil will trick you into thinking that you are the first person in history to ever struggle with that particular problem. Um, And the reality is there are people that have come before you and there are people who will do it after you who went from a state of no money to having a lot of money because they were willing to exercise the faith necessary to take their creative power seriously before the rest of the world did. There's, yeah.
1: Now is it Holly's responsibility to increase her income or is it someone else's responsibility to increase her income? So, so first and foremost, it's Holly's
2: responsibility, just like it is each of our responsibilities to feed her spirit, to feed her mind, the kind of information that is going to sell her on the notion of her personal power. You've got to believe that you have the permission and the power to be the predominant creative force in your own life. If you don't believe that, you've got to start working on that belief system because that belief system is not going to make you a winner in your own life. It's self-defeating. So yeah, it it, it starts with that success mindset and, 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 you know, the, the responsibility thing is interesting. I heard Wayne Dyer once say, um, responsibility does not equal blame. It, it, it means the power to respond with ability. So when I say, Holly, it's your responsibility to to create wealth in your life, that doesn't mean, Holly, it's your fault that you that you're in this financial situation. Or Holly, you're a bad person for not having the money that you want. It's a way of saying, Holly, understand, that you have the power no matter where you are in life to respond to your particular unique situation mm-hmm. with ability you may have some things to learn you may have to exercise some patience but but patience but you can do it
0: because there are people who are worse off who have gone before you and done it. I know there are people out there who, like, they'll read something or they'll listen to something Josh and I do, and they're like, oh, but Josh and I they just don't understand. Well, maybe we don't understand, but there are people out there who do understand and yeah. find those people and learn from their understanding of your situation.
1: But there, there, are, there is, I think,
0: somewhat in the zeitgeist these days,
1: there's a, a bit of a defeatist attitude and say, well, yes, that person could do it, but I can't. Why has that permeated our our sort of knowledge?
2: Yeah, you know, I, I get that. I'm, I'm not unsympathetic towards that, you know. Um, it's I, easy, it's easy to give up, I think. Yeah, and, 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 and w- when the heroes being held up as examples are, are unlike you, it, it can make it a little more difficult to yes. believe in these possibilities for yourself. This is why I believe the power of story is so important. This is why I value the advice about reading a thousand biographies or exposing yourself to stories because we don't learn through abstract advice. You gotta do better. You should save more. We learn from the stories of people who look like us, who come from the places that we come from. And I do think it's important to have a diverse range of role models, of communicators, of educators. And so, um, and by the way, that's one thing that we can all give. If you feel like you got nothing to give, give your mentorship to someone who looks like you, yeah. who may not have experienced a little bit of, of joy in life that you've experienced. But I think that's part of the problem. But here's what I would say in response to anyone that feels like that. I get it, maybe you're right. Maybe, maybe you are the only person who understands you. But my question to you is this, what's that belief gonna do for you? You can, you can stop there and be right, or you can alter that belief and you can get what you want, right? What do you wanna do? Do you wanna be right or do you wanna get what you want? Do you wanna be right in your suffering or do you wanna step into the power that can create you a life that transcends that suffering? Here's the other thing that I would say. The more unique your problems are, the more unique your testimony will be, right? So if you are the first person to experience whatever kind of suffering you're going through, that means when you figure this out and overcome it, you are going to have a unique story to tell that nobody has ever told before. I love if you're that the perspective. only one with that problem, you're gonna be the only one with that testimony, and man, please don't rob the world of that. There's gonna be great wealth in that testimony because you just proved it. No one else has had that problem. No one else has solved it. You're about to make history. Yeah. Just I, don't give up.
0: I love that, and it is. It's like you can look at it from that perspective, or you can look at it and be like, oh, poor me. I can't do anything because I have this unique problem, and it's both are true. It isn't, and it isn't, as Andrew Schultz would say.
2: (laughs) I'm really, really close to being a president of the United States, but I'm black. Ain't nobody ever been in this situation with that problem before. Well, that's why you're about to make history, Mm -hmm. brother. Go and do that. Yeah.
1: Yeah we got so much more to talk about. Uh, we're going to skip the lightning round today, but if you do have questions for us, send us a text message, 937-202-4654. Those text messages go right to Ryan's and my phone. We, we try to respond to as many people via text as we can, but we also answer some of our favorites during the lightning round on the podcast. But for the sake of time, we're going to skip that because we got a, a bunch more to talk about. I'm going to try to get to most of these questions, Ryan. What are the wisest investments to make in my early 20s to retire by my early 30s? So we can talk about some of the, the fire community wisdom there. Mm-hmm. Um, also, how do I determine at what point financially it makes sense to get rid of the car I owe money on? So car debt, such a big question. So many people wanna know about. Mm-hmm. Uh, another question, how do we appropriately help the homeless that are struggling to get back on their feet? Probably the most difficult question we're gonna talk about. Yeah. Uh, does it make economic sense to get rid of my car and rely on public transportation? I'm gonna give you an argument, argument for both sides of that. Uh, does it make economic sense to purchase a tiny home? How do I reconcile my desire for charitable giving with a restrictive budget? Does it make economic sense to rent a car uh, like I rent an apartment? And also, why are local governments resistant to allowing the presence of more economical, minimalist abodes like tiny houses and RVs? We're going to talk more about regulation, <laughs> T.K. Coleman. You and, knew
0: we'd get back to it, T.K. Right? <laughs> and also, it's something
1: that just enrages me, Ryan, I have not been enraged like this in a while. This is a New York Times article. He has seventeen thousand bottles of hand sanitizer. Seventeen
0: thousand seven hundred. Yes.
1: Seventeen thousand seven hundred bottles of hand sanitizer and nowhere to sell them. Here's the the byline. Amazon cracked down on coronavirus price gouging. Now while the rest of the world searches, some sellers are holding stockpiles of sanitizer and masks. We're gonna talk about that. Now long story
0: short serves them right those jerks (laughs) well
1: part of me wants to get into my car with Ryan and podcast Sean and drive to Chattanooga Tennessee and Put this guy's head on a curb
0: mm-hmm. politically of politically course. yes metaphorically yes uh, <laughs> the alex jones lie i want to do it politically <laughs> so josh is anyone yeah. to metaphorically
1: curb yeah. stomp this guy yeah i'm not saying literally but i would love to politically put his teeth on the curb oh my but god
2: we're, we're gonna regulate this brother metaphorically speaking <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> I, wanna, I want to i want to introduce some regulations TK oh my god. we're gonna talk about my rage that i feel towards this guy. we're gonna read this article yeah. and if you want to hear all that listen to this week's maximal episode ryan and i every week and our guests we record a a much longer much more personal much deeper episode it's called uh the maximal episode it's on the minimalist private podcast and it's just two dollars but that two dollars goes a long way it pays for sean and and jordan and jess and, and me and ryan our studio space and our equipment yeah. and and all of our families because we're a hundred percent advertisement free we think advertisements suck and this is the best way for us to fund this podcast and it's a completely separate endeavor it's the minimalist private podcast which you're able to play in your regular podcast app so if you have like overcast or apple podcast or whatever you use you can we, we give you a separate private feed for the minimalist private podcast and it's just two bucks but that goes a long way to keep this podcast a hundred percent advertisement free you can find all the details to that including an additional private podcast episode every week over at the minimalists.com slash support ryan what else you got for us this week we got some
0: voicemail comments and tips from our listeners let's check them out
3: Hey guys, this is Nikki from Mount Pleasant, South Carolina. I just listened to your podcast called Media and I actually have an app recommendation. Um, I do have an Android, but I'm pretty sure there's an iOS and iPhone app out there that's similar. Um, It's called App Detox. And I love it because it allows you to restrict and even block access to apps on your phone. So I personally use it for Facebook and Instagram. And I allow myself a 30-minute time limit each day. Um, but at times, especially when I find myself getting lost in the infinite scroll of the news feeds, I'll actually block access completely. So I think that this has added a lot of value to my life, and I think it can add value to a lot of other listeners' lives as well. I wanted to call in to share a recent revelation that I had, which has removed numerous roadblocks I've come up against on my quest for a more minimalist lifestyle. The public library. I hadn't been to the public library since about high school, and I can't believe I had forgotten all of the free resources available at my local library that previously I had been routinely and wastefully paying for. Movies and movie rentals, magazines and magazine subscriptions, books, many of which, if I decided to purchase and not rent, lingered around in my house collecting dust until I got around to minimizing them. Even the due date on the materials I get from the library now is helpful. It motivates me to complete the book or magazine in a timely manner, allowing me to fit in more information over time, which I enjoy since I tend to mosey through those items if I own them, and my interest often grows cold. I'm saving even by having a quiet, well-lighted location with plenty of space and outlets to do work, something I had actually been paying money for by working in places like Starbucks or Barnes & Noble, where I felt pressured to purchase a coffee or snack in exchange for the work location. I don't have those pressures at the library, which is good for my wallet and my health. In fact, I realized I was actually losing money by not using the library, since the tax dollars that I necessarily pay were going towards the upkeep of the library, which I was not utilizing. I encourage encourage all of those who are looking for a more minimalist lifestyle, but who don't want to sacrifice the luxury of indulging in printed or digital media, in a pleasant workspace outside of the home to rediscover their public library and other free offerings in their community. Something that's simple and easy.
1: All right, y'all. Before we uh, get out of here today, I want to say thank you to T.K. Coleman. Yes. T.K., uh, I want to encourage folks to check you out. T.K. Coleman.com. They can check you out. Fee.org, I believe it is org slash rev one okay rev one yeah. is the sh- is tk coleman show but most important follow his twitter feed yeah. because if you're if you're looking for someone to follow who has uh, just uh, thoughts that are a bit against the grain but also that he's ha- my favorite person to disagree with it's <laughs> <laughs> like the best
2: compliment
0: and at the same time <laughs> so, so if you, if you want someone you're to my re- favorite
1: face to hate yeah <laughs>
0: Oh, that's much better said. (laughs) Tweet that, Sean. So so,
1: uh, check out TK Coleman. He's TK underscore Coleman on Twitter. We'll put a link to all of that in the show notes as well. I just want to say thank you and acknowledge you for doing something amazing. Thank you so much, TK.
0: Thanks, guys. Love you guys. No, What I love about you, TK, is you really push what I value and what I believe. And you, you help me either come towards your side or you really help me to dig deeper on why I feel the way I feel. And that is a true talent because we can have a conversation, we can have even you know a rational argument and uh we can still you know give you well we won't give each other hugs now because of the coronavirus <laughs> right. but we could still give each other a hug afterwards under normal circumstances <laughs> <laughs> real quick for right here right now here's one thing Appreciate that's, that, brother. <laughs>
1: <laughs> here's one thing that's going on in the life of the minimalist if you go to the slash resources i'm there right now um, we have a bunch of free resources for you we are talking about economic hardship today and we don't want finances to be the the barrier so ryan and i have a bunch of free resources on our website in addition to our, our free newsletter, we have a simple Sunday newsletter. You can sign up for free. We send you a, an email with some minimalism tips or, or just minimalism essays, different writings about simple living, intentional living every week over at theminimalists.com slash resources. You can also get our podcast show notes in your inbox for free. So all the things we talk about. You can get those right there. Over there on our website. Uh, we have a free ebook called The Minimalist Rulebook 16 Rules for Living with Less. Everything from our photo scanning rule to our minimalist gift giving rule. Uh, this free bo- ebook will help you simplify your life one rule at a time. We have the 30 day minimalism game calendar. We have six free minimalist wallpapers, and actually, we're adding a seventh one this month. Uh, you can't change the people around you, but you can change the people around you. You could
0: put one on each of your seven screens. <laughs> minimalism. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, we got, we got to talk about uh, uh max or uh, minimal max on mondays too so how, uh, how do how do people sign up for that?
1: Yeah, so if you text us, you just text us whatever you want. Hey, put me on your, your text message list. So every Monday, uh, if you if you just uh, if you if you're on our text list 937-202-4654, you can text us questions there. But also every Monday we send out Minimal Maxims, uh, just Monday morning Minimal Maxims, a way to start your week with a just a little thought provoking one line Minimal Maxim, and so you can do that just by texting us. Also you can find some Minimalist home tours over on the free resources page, the Values Worksheet. Again, Get in touch with your values and a whole bunch of other resources there. Theminimalists.com slash resources and our added value this week. Oh, by the way, you can follow us on on social media if you want, at The Minimalists, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Uh, You can comment on this episode, youtube.com slash The Minimalists. But for our added value this week, Ryan, someone just sent me this uh, song this morning on twitter and you know people send songs but it was a perfect song we're talking about economics and how we get so caught up in sort of consumerism we're spending money on the wrong things and so this song is called personal shopper it's by a guy named uh stephen wilson and i love the album title it's a forthcoming album it's called the future bites and <laughs> this reminds me a bit of radiohead I'll, I'll play a bit here at the the end of the episode but i love these fir- first two stanzas of 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 the song here are the lyrics Have now, have now, pay in another life. Hmm. Kickstart the future, accept this loan, fill in the form, you're pre-qualified, now you are the sum of what you own. Hmm. Buy now, buy now, have a better life. Close out transactions without remorse. Apply for credit, it's your given right. Hmm. Buy it all then buy some more. Mm. And that seems to be these, the maxim that we live by, the sort of motto is buy now, don't worry about it now, my future self will take care of it. But, but today's indiscretions, today's bad decisions are going to be paid for only by your future self. And so keep that in mind, your future self will also benefit by having the right decisions made today. So I hope you enjoy this song from... Stephen wilson this is called personal shopper and if you leave here today with just one message we hope it's this love people and use things because the opposite never works thanks for listening y'all
0: we'll see you next time <laughs>